We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. I'm joined today by the mayor of the OB Toppin fan club, Michael J. Focci. Mustache Mike, Beard Mike, what's going on, brother? Oh, man. When you say the mayor, I mean, Alex, it was games like the one we saw in Cleveland for OB Toppin, where I said, oh, you know what? I just feel that the Pacers are onto <laughs> something. What we saw, we got treated to not just entertainment, but we also got treated to a dub. And you just see that OB Toppin. And with Tyrese Halliburton and that starting five, it's just a different Obi Toppin. I tell you what, it, it's hard to be disappointed when you see Obi Toppin play the way that he did. 17 points, nine rebounds, shot the ball pretty well from the field. I think it was mm-hmm. six and nine from the field. Had a had a corner three, had a bunch of highlight dunks. I mean, if this is the Obi Toppin we see consistently throughout the year, then I think that that's just going to raise our ceiling even more. I think so. He was a plus 19 in the game. He made at least one three-pointer in all four preseason games, which makes me feel that that three-point ball, it's it's going to be there. It's not going to be like take the knock on Obi coming in. Oh, he's not a good three-point shooter. Look, it's not like he was shooting 40-plus percent from three, but he's going to be a very capable three-point shooter, and he was throwing it down. I mean, he had some highlight real dunks early on, which makes me ask you, Alex, when was the last time we had a lob threat that could catch a lob from behind the three-point line? I mean, Bruce Brown just, just throwing it up there, it, it just felt like that's so, totally different than the Isaiah Jackson lob threat type of um, potential. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the last time we've really seen that, Paul George, Gerald Green, I, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, Gerald, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's like when you have a high flyer like that, you really need to take advantage of it. So I, I personally was just really impressed with the way that they designed that play. It was a design play to set things up. And Bruce Brown 
threw a perfect pass. He talked about it at practice on Saturday, and they said, you know, that design play, what happened? He's like, well, he said, I kind of thought I threw it bad. And then when I went, went back and watched the tape, I was like, no, that was pretty perfect. So, you know, OB started things off that way, and I felt like, man, if he starts things off this way, it's going to be a, a bad night for the Cleveland Cavaliers, who did not have Jared Allen or Darius Garland in their starting lineup. But still, they had a pretty good lineup out there. Um, Karis LeVert, Max Struess, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley. I'm trying to think who their fifth starter was. Um, can't remember now at this point, but I don't know if it really matters. Uh, it was Dean Wade. That's who he was guarding. Yes. So mm-hmm. Dean Wade was guarding him, and they kind of took advantage of that because Dean Wade defensively has no chance against an Obi Toppin athletically. So, you know, it was a great opportunity for them to take advantage of that. But I, I just thought that Obi played in, in such a, a controlled game. Nine rebounds, though, is where I think the biggest talking point is because we know Obi can put up highlight dunks. That's a great thing about his game. But seeing the rebounds was huge to me. No, it really was. And that's that's where, I mean, coming to the season on our, our wish list, our goals that we set for Obi Toppin, I was like, can, can he average six? If he can average six rebounds, it really felt like that the Pacers could be a, an improved rebounding team. But on nights, if he could pull down, you know, more than six, that's going to go a long way. So yeah. I, I love what I saw from Obi Toppin in specific when, when Tyrese Halliburton came back, games three and four, it just felt like we saw a more comfortable Obi Toppin. And it's understandable to say that, hey, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton, he is going to make this team go. And a lot of players on this team looked better once Halliburton returned. Uh, and I think that Obi Toppin probably sits on top of that list. But there was also a couple other guys that I thought looked a little bit better. I mean, Buddy Heald ha- had a game where it helps to have Tyrese back. And then we yeah. saw you know, Bruce Brown looked a, a bit better. I don't think we're we're not asking for 15 to 20 no. out of Bruce Brown. But the last two games, just look at his plus eight and plus 20. I, I think at this point, we saw his scoring increase a little bit. It went from five, six, eight, nine. And we saw a couple of games where he had four to five assists. So I felt that Bruce Brown is a player that don't be looking at what he scores. should be looking at his overall contributions. And Obi Toppin, Bruce Brown, the additions we made, those guys have been contributing solidly in the last two wins. Yeah, it's funny you talk about how Tyrese just keeps everybody connected, but they asked Bruce Brown about Tyrese and playing with them at practice on Saturday, and he compared him to Nikola Jokic. So oh, that's that's a big compliment, right? He there. said that Jokic always was, you know, looking for guys, and that's kind of like how Ty is too. Like he's always looking to find the open man. So you kind of know how to like play off that. You just always got to be ready. And so they also talked to, to Bruce about his three point shooting because we talked about it with Caitlin Cooper how he was super strong in the right corner but in the left corner he didn't shoot well but he made two left corner threes in that game against the Cavs and they were pretty nice shots and he said yeah it's like the year before that though I shot like 40 percent from both corners so I'm not worried about that uh you know weird statistic from last season so it was just funny to kind of hear Bruce talk about that I think Bruce is a really intriguing player and we felt uh I felt like there was a different intensity from him in the last two games trying to like figure out what his role was supposed to be. And he talked about that at practice too, just said that, you know, the first few games kind of getting his feet wet, seeing how he would fit in with this team. And now with Ty back in the mix of things, it was cool to kind of get that feel back and forth. So overall, I uh, I really enjoyed watching Bruce the last two games, thought he was impactful on both sides of the floor without put, uh, pressing and trying to get too much done. Yeah, when you talk about this group overall, this is a great quote from Obi Toppin. He said, we're so good off the court together with each other we're hanging out we're doing things together when we get on the court it's just natural we know each other in and out the more time we spend with each other the better the connection is going to be the more we play together the better connection is going to be he restated it 
we've seen Pacer teams in the past that didn't really see that they were that, you know, tight knit of a group. Mm. This group, a lot of them hasn't been playing together that long. I mean, you bring in Obi Toppin, Bruce Brown, Jarris Walker, Ben Shepard. Those are four new additions. It's a young team overall. But for a lot of them, they're on that same, you know, timeline, wavelength, whatever you call it, that they're having fun. And that's going to translate on the court. And when it translates on the court, that means it translates into wins. And I know you mentioned earlier that, hey, the Cavs were without a couple starters. So were the Hawks. You can only you can only play who you play. So you can't really look at the preseason and judge it as, oh, two and two. When, when we had our lineup on the court, we played well. When other teams didn't have theirs, maybe they didn't play as well. But come the regular season, this is I'm really excited going in to start the regular season this upcoming week on Wednesday night against the Washington Wizards. They have no idea what's coming from because this Pacers team, I I, I feel real confident we're kicking the season off one one and well, I mean, we're playing the Wizards. I mean, I mean ESPN's hey, already it, predicting us to this win. This is but, like a good old-fashioned tune-up fight right over here. <laughs> this feels good. Yeah, but it's also a trap game. You cannot overlook this uh, team heading yeah. into it because this is a team that does have some players that can put the ball in the hoop. Kyle Kuzma has given the Pacers problems before. Jordan Poole, we've already seen the ups and downs of him in preseason where he can score 30-some points and a half and then go 1 of 15 the next game. I mean, this is just the Jordan yep. Poole experience, the roller coaster that's going to be up and down throughout the year. And then you got um, Tyus Jones, I think, is their point guard, right? Is mm-hmm. that? Yep. Yeah, okay. I was having a brain fart there for a second. But it's like they've got a lot of interesting players, and I think Daniel Gafford is a little bit of an underrated center. You know, I, I tried to trade for him in one of our offseason mock trades. You did. Uh, if, if, they're a, if they're a team that could be a seller and just kind of identify that uh, – Backup center spot for the Pacers. I think Daniel Gaffer would be that guy, but I do think he's talented enough to be a starter in this league um, from what we've seen so far throughout his career. Now, not on a championship level team, but a Wizards team like this. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So I would just say, while we're going to talk about that in a couple of days here at Dustin Dopierak to to get a little bit more of a preview of the Wizards and just kind of how this Pacers team matches up against them. You're right. This is a fun group of Pacers that we have right here. The starters were really solid in this game against Cleveland. They were a plus 14 as a unit, Fachi, in that game. Um, Love it. The first half, they were a plus 14, and they only played six minutes together roughly in that second half, and they got outscored 11 to 10. I mean, but they were trading baskets, and it's not like they were just sitting there getting beat. Now, the second unit in this game, Fachi, was not great. Mm-hmm. Andrew Nimhard returned to action, which I think is a big talking point. Looked a little rusty to start things off. He talked about how he was not in game shape, hasn't really been able to get into the swing of things fully at practice. He's he's gotten into it, but it's just like game reps versus practice reps are totally different, and he's just got to get himself into game shape. So Andrew Nimhard, though, I, I thought he came to life towards the end of the fourth quarter, got some uh, – Got his win back, I think, a little bit at that point, and got a, you know the strength in his legs back. But he was actually playing the one with that unit instead of playing with TJ McConnell. Now we've talked about this. We thought there might be a chance that this happens. Wasn't surprised by it, but I don't think long term it's the right move for the Pacers playing him and TJ together because one, I think Andrew wants to be more of a point guard than a guy that plays off ball all the time, and number two. I think that already being demoted from a starter to a bench player and then playing the same role that you had last year as a starter off the bench, I don't know how that's going to sit well with him, and I don't know how he's going to be able to develop the same way if he's not given the opportunities, if, if there's a McConnell there kind of controlling the ball. Because even McConnell, it, 
can play off ball a little bit more than he used to. I don't trust him as an off ball player. And I don't think other teams respect him as an off ball player, which is going to make it even more difficult for Andrew to get that natural feel. No, it definitely is. And I think the Pacers, this is a good opportunity to test out some lineups while it is still preseason, but yeah, McConnell, he thrives with the ball in his hands. I I think that that's going to be where he's going to be best at. And for, for Andrew, I think uh, the, the rust is understandable. I mean, he missed the first three preseason games at that point. You know, he, he found his shot eventually, finished with 13 points, 5-10 shooting, but he did have three turnovers. And for that, that's that's not like Andrew. So I'm excited to see what he has, you know, in the actual regular season. But for now, uh, we're all just kind of patiently waiting to see how is this lineup going to shape out? Because what are McConnell's minutes going to be looking like come game one of the regular season? I don't know. Are they, do they ramp up uh, Nemhard a little bit? I'm not sure either. I don't know if he's just going to be, you know, diving and playing a full, you know, 28 minutes that he's used to. But I would think you would imagine, you know, 20 minutes or so. Um, but I think we all have a couple of questions. Maybe not enough answers. There's a few other players that maybe we might feel a little bit more confident about. If we want to just kind of go through a few different players. Yeah. You know, like when we're talking about the centers. I mean, Jalen Smith, now that it's through four games, I, I, I feel like, you know, they're never going to say, hey, he won the backup center spot. But when you look at how things shaked out, I mean, you didn't see Daniel Tice in that in that fourth game. I mean, Tice yeah. even put out a the Pacers put out a video on Tice saying, I'm healthy this year. It, it's not like he's hurt. He is healthy. And I think we saw less and less of Isaiah Jackson. And Jalen Smith, I just feel like he did what he needed to do to be able to secure that backup big spot. And I mentioned earlier, it was great to see Buddy Heald break out of his shooting slump. He was seven of 28 in the first three games. He finished with 20 points on six of eight shooting from three. Yeah. It was nice to just say, okay, okay, look, shooters shoot. He's going to be just fine. And and that was that. Uh, not that I needed a confidence booster, but hey, Buddy's going to be Buddy. Yeah, I think Rick Carlisle answered that question best in the press conference after the game. He said, I'm not worried about Buddy. Yeah. He said, zero concern. So, I mean, Buddy is Buddy. I mean, I, I agree with him. I mean, Buddy does what he does well, and that's shoot the basketball. So, not worried about that. I mean, defensively, Buddy still has work to improve upon. But of course. I think the team and, and general has something to work on. Now, Daniel Tice, last two games, DNP coach's decision. Kind of interesting there to talk about that just because oh, – so. You know, Tice, Carlisle has gone out of his way to give Daniel Tice his respects for how seasoned of a veteran he is, how talented of a player he is, and what he did with Germany and all this stuff. And I think the reason he's doing that is because you want to build a guy up while you're kicking him. (laughs) And at this point, you're kind of kicking him by not putting him in the rotation. He understands, I think, at the end of the day, he doesn't fit the style of play they want to play. And that's where I think Daniel Tice is going to be someone they could move with relatively close to the, the next couple of weeks, I, you just see the news with Steven Adams going out in yeah. Memphis. They need kind of a, a veteran presence there, and I think he could be a very cheap addition for them. What they could trade back to the Pacers, that I do not know. But I do think that something there could make some sense if they wanted to get a Daniel Tice type of guy on the roster. The Pacers probably would like to send him somewhere where he can contribute. So that would make some sense to me. But I'm not here to talk trades today. I'm just here to throw that out there. But you feel bad for a guy like that. But overall, I'm not too worried about the the rotation. I, I think another thing, like, you know, Jairus and, and Shep, trying to figure out where they're going to fit in with this team, that's a tough spot. I will say Shep is definitely ahead to me in the pecking oh, yeah. order. Mm-hmm. Jairus has been very inconsistent. I felt like last game he only was two or three from the field. 
but the one of the jumpers that he missed, he took with like four seconds into the shot clock. And it was like a pull up 20 footer. And I'm like, what are you doing that for? Like, that's not the kind of shot that's going to get you on the court. So he's got a lot of learning to do. And I think, well, we were spoiled last year with Ben Matherin being the focal point of the bench. You're not going to see the same thing with a Jairus Walker. So I would say Pacer fans just need to be patient. Everybody needs to be patient. And here's the thing. Jairus Walker saw his minutes decrease in every game. So yeah. it went from 27 and 27 for the first two games. Then it went down to 14, and then it went down to nine. And I feel like that was probably a little bit more of, hey, you had more of the starters playing, Obi, Obi Toppin having an uptick, Miles Turner coming back, just, just you know, Jalen Smith getting some minutes. It just felt like the bigs were getting more minutes. They, they changed some things up. And don't expect what we saw out of Matherin. I think that that is a great point by you. And I don't want Pacers fans to be banging at the table to say, Josh Walker needs to get in there. It, look, it depends what happens. If, if we're getting wins, guys, this is a different type of season than last year. Jarris is going to get playing time, but it does not look early on like it's going to be 25 minutes or so. We saw Matherin be getting roughly 28 minutes last year. That's not going to be the case. I think they're going to bring him on as the year goes on. And I think that's the right move. Yeah. Uh, even Benedict Matherin had played two years in college. He was a, a little bit more seasoned. So give it time. I think right now we're going to learn a lot, even in the first couple of games, but that's not going to give all the answers. Like a broken record we've talked about. Andrew Nemart in the first game, not playing, and then playing a major role after that. So what we see in game one does not mean this is the end-all, be-all rotation that will be used throughout the year but we are going to learn a little bit more. And for that, I'm just, I'm excited, but I'm also happy that I feel that the Pacers ended the preseason on a, on a high note, mm -hmm. a good note. The first two games, we didn't really learn much about this team at all, other than Aaron E. Smith, Jalen Smith looked better, but we yeah. still had a, a zillion questions centered around, okay, but what about this starting five? And I left with the last two games saying, you know what, I do feel good about the starting five. Yeah, I definitely think that Tyrese getting back in the mix just changes everything, and you can everything. feel it. Like obviously, that's why he's an all-star level player. I mean, it's it's simple Especially math. NBA, we'll it's see. simple math, right? But it's just like you kind of forget sometimes, or just like I don't know, not say forget, but I mean, you just don't think about how impactful he really is, and until he's out there on the court, when he's not out there, you're just kind of like, man, I really miss Tyrese. I mean, he just adds a totally different element. They're able to play faster. He sees the court so much better. He's willing to make passes that other guys on this team are not willing to make, especially of our, at our point guard position. And he's able and he's able to make those passes too. Like it's not just be like, oh, willing to make the pass. Like he can actually do it. So he's just he's just a special player, man. And I thought it was just so cool being able to get in there a little bit early and see them shoot around and just like the work that they do. He was sitting there watching some film with the coaching staff and um, on the sideline before uh, before the game started and a kid walked up to him and asked for his autograph and, you know, he gave it to him. And I thought, you know what, that's just really cool. You know, Tyrese is just not just a, a great player, but a great person. And he's just constantly giving back to this community. So Pacers got a good one, but I don't think I have anything else to say in terms of preseason. But any final thoughts on preseason? Uh, one of my, my final thoughts, I'm not trying to have a hot take or anything. It's just something to keep an eye on because I'm curious. You know, Benedict Matherin, I, I think that some people might have this expectation that, hey, look, you know, this guy could be an all-star coming up or anything like that. This Pacers team is really competitive. And one thing just to keep an eye on is we saw that Matherin was efficient in preseason, but we also saw his points and shot attempts go down each game. So yeah. game one, he scored 18, then it was 14, then it was nine and nine. 
His shot attempts were 13 in game one, 10 in game two, six in game three, and four in game four. But he did shoot 52% from the field. I felt like they were asking him to do a little bit more, maybe pick up a little bit more on the rebounding, try and you know distribute the ball a little bit more, defend better. He he did have six turnovers in the rough game in the last game, which was rough. But I feel that overall we didn't see the okay. He's only looking to be a scorer out there. Yeah, so more of a well-rounded player. And I'm curious to see if there is a difference in the regular season and if preseason was a little bit more of an experiment. Or if this is, hey, maybe we need to temper our expectations a little bit because there's much more talent on this Pacers team than there was last year's Pacers team. I think there's a combination of everything that you said there. And you can also throw in the caveat that it is preseason basketball Mm -hmm. and he was only playing about 20 to 25 minutes where if he's playing closer to 32, then he's probably going to get four or five more looks, you would hope. Right. I think that. He is very. He's been very selective with when he shoots the basketball too, which I think is a good sign that he's maturing. Yeah, definitely, and you can tell he's trying to be a very good team player while also being a great two way player. There was a clip that went out on Friday of him defending, and I think it was against Karis Levert, and he did a really good job of staying disciplined, keeping his body square and in front of Levert, and not biting on pump fakes. And I think that's just growth that we've seen from Matherin from last year to this year, and it's going to continue to you know be a process of him growing, but I think we're going to see it. And there's going to be times when he does struggle a little bit. There's not going to be perfect games from him every single game, but the six turnovers. Yeah. They did not look great on the, on the box score, but I will say this, Fachi, it felt like at least three or four of those were him overthinking when he had the ball in his hands, trying to make the right play for somebody else. And I think naturally that's not his instinct, but because they've asked him to be more of a, a, of yeah. a facilitator, mm-hmm. I agree. he's constantly looking for others while, not trying to always look for himself. And I think there's a few times where he should have just taken the shot or taken the layup or done that kind of thing. But he's looking like, oh, if I would have just like maybe sent that pass just one second sooner, Miles could have had a better look. Instead, he just kind of hesitated and like, oh, the ball is stolen from him. So Cleveland's a very good defensive team, top five defensive team, according to Rick Carlisle. So that to me is um, what, and they're very good at causing turnovers. So that definitely did play a factor into it. So I think that it's just, growing pains from from Atherin with the turnovers, but I'd rather see six turnovers in preseason of him trying to get others involved instead of him shooting four of 15 from the field and zero assist. So no doubt. I, I like the balance and I like where he's heading. Yeah, he definitely um was making a, a, an effort. You could you could see it out there. There was times that he passed up what used to be routine scoring opportunities for him yeah. last year to get others involved. We I talked about it a couple of a couple episodes ago when he got Obi Toppin involved. It, it was a simple alley oop that just looked like last year. He's he's going to score that himself. So we saw that this is the perfect time to try new things out. And I think that that's what's best for the team. He's going to be more than fine. I don't expect there to be games in the regular season where Matherin has four shot attempts. I don't think that that's going to happen. That feels like a very preseason thing. The starters didn't even play in the fourth quarter. So you could, you could tell that this is not a, a real regular season-esque game. But, mm. you know, as we wrap up, I'm just happy that we ended on a high note to be able to get some wins out there and go into the regular season hungry for that next win. Speaking of the regular season and, and ending on a high note, right, the Denver Broncos, 19-17 to victory over the Green Bay Packers today. So five to right. Broncos. Getting the win. What about your West Virginia team? I did not check the score on that one. I'm just going to imagine that you did check the score because we lost. Uh, it was <laughs> very upsetting. Uh, tough loss, but hey, you know what? You, you can't win every game out Ooh, there. Ooh, Oklahoma the, the, State. 
Yeah, no, it, it was it was a letdown. But country on the Broncos, who did win? Yeah, it was good. It was good to get a win. Of course, they they get a win, and I immediately get a text, dude, that messes with you know the number one pick. And it's like, come on, man, it's October right now. It, it's like I I can't just like give up on the season and root for nonstop losses. Like they, they make it close enough each time where they pull me back in. I didn't <laughs> think that we were going to win this game, you know. After the the Packers took the lead, but you know what? Hey, nice to get a win. It had been a while. Uh, there there hasn't been too many to come by. So for today, I'll take it. And Colts. Of, that was that was uh, uh, that was a but, really good game. That I was really disappointed uh, in, and I was rooting for the Colts in that. I yeah, really was pretty bogus pass interference call on a very uncatchable I ball. I mean, uh, I, unfortunately, I Baker should not be on a NFL roster. That cornerback is not very the, good. Two penalties, a you know, on, on that final drive were just yeah. brutal. But then to to have it come down to a fourth and one or whatever it was, you know, fourth down, fourth and one, Hunt runs it in. Had on my fantasy team, he did get me two touchdowns today. Yeah, so I, I'm not gonna Not say I was plan. heartbroken, but you know, at the same point, you know, a little bit tough for the Colts fans out there. Yeah, and then I want to say real quick, you talked about you know they keep pulling you back in the Denver Broncos do. Yeah. Well, you know, your wife keeps pulling you back in to watch Taylor Swift stuff, oh, and man. I was absolutely. In love with the video that you posted on your story, Fachi's <laughs> wife went to the Eras Tour concert, and we know Fachi spent a pretty penny on that ticket. He's mentioned that it was incredibly expensive, and he didn't want to say <laughs> how much he spent. Well, his wife drags him to the movie theater to watch the video or the movie of the concert that she attended. And yep. not only is she making him watch the concert that she attended, she is legit pulling out her cell phone, mm-hmm. videoing. <laughs> I couldn't movie. believe it. I looked over to my right and I went, <laughs> what are you doing? I was like, not only like, do you have videos of the concert, but you were at that concert videoing it then. So now you're videoing uh, the movie. Of the, I, I was like this whole bizarro world type of thing. But you know what? I knew it would make, make her happy. We went, and I left with a, a newfound a appreciation for Taylor Swift. Oh, because tell me more. I, I mean, I've heard the movie's great. She she put on. I didn't realize like her putting on a show. Like I, this is how I equated it to, to guys. I was like, guys, she's like the LeBron for girls. Like it's like all the girls are like, oh my, you know, she's great. It's like that's how I feel like this generation feels of like you know LeBron and stuff like that. And yeah, like, yeah. The, the concert. I mean, I've been to concerts. I I, I never been to something like that. That was like a whole, you know, spectacle. Wow. But, um, you know, yeah, it, it was impressive. You, f- you feel justified for buying her that ticket then? Well, I mean. A it, little it more? Was, I mean, yeah. She she definitely saw quite the show on her birthday. So, yeah, I'll give myself a little pat on the back. I delivered <laughs> that day. Okay, so what's next for Christmas? You getting her a Travis Kelsey jersey? No, 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 no. Is she a Broncos it, fan, you know. We're, is we're she not. a Chiefs fan? No, no, no. She's she's not a Chiefs fan, but so she's not uh, a true Swifty then. Well, I mean, she's she's a little got bit a t- rough. She's actually a Patriots fan. Um, Ooh, we're te- we're pretty, really we're really yeah, testing her right I, now. I, I know. I, I oh yeah, definitely. I mean, did they stink now? She's not allowed to complain. They were good her whole lifetime. Yeah. So at at this point, it is what it is. But no one's switching to the Chiefs in this household. You know, we're Denver Broncos fans until right? she buys a Travis Kelsey jersey. Or you buy her one. She is never going to be a full-on Swifty. Uh, I'm just I putting it out there. Accept that statement. From she's going to have to because the real Swifties are buying the jerseys. That's why. I, that's why his sales have gone up 400. percent Yeah, that's it's a, it's a little bit crazy, but uh, 
Hey, it must be a good time to be Travis Kelsey right now. I mean, that <laughs> man is, so? is popping up on every commercial you could possibly even think of. And that was before the relationship news. Yeah. So I'm sure it'll only blow up from here even further. He's Plus, a marketing. He's pretty good. He's a marketing genius, but we do have another segment coming up on this podcast here. So you guys are getting a lengthy episode day uh, for your Monday to start things off. So we're going to be joined by Mo from 8.9 seconds. And uh, we're going to talk with him about the Pacers not getting the respect that they deserve and how this roster could shake up in the Eastern Conference. So we'll be right back with Mo after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, Pacer fans. Alex Golden here. I wanted to let you know about my new blog, The Blue and Golden. If you enjoy reading articles about the Pacers, then subscribe to my Substack, which is 100% free. You can find the blog at the Blue and Golden dot substack.com or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast if you enjoy what you're reading on the blue and golden please share the blog with your family and friends thanks for your support of not only this podcast but my written work that can only be found on the blue and golden dot substack.com now let's get back to the show 
All right, everybody joining us now on Setting the Pace, making his Setting the Pace debut from eight points, nine seconds, part of Fan Sighted. Muiz, as far, we're going to call him Mo for the pod. So, Mo, how's it going, man? Hey, thank you guys for having me. It's been a long time, long time coming, long overdue. I've been watching the podcast for a long time. I've been a supporter for a while. You know, you and me, we've uh, followed each other for a while. We've had some conversations, but I never really had the guts to ask to be on the podcast until recently. I was like, <laughs> you know what? You know, what the hell? Why not go on the podcast? Let's do it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. We love we love the energy. We love the excitement. And, you know, we're going to be doing some more interaction with people that are longtime listeners for this pod. But when you reached out to me, you definitely want to talk to me about the narrative that is around this Pacers team and has been around yeah. this Pacers team for quite a while now. And that mm -hmm. is how underrated and how overlooked they are. So I guess just to kind of make it easy, I'll let you kind of set the table here and we'll give the, the floor to you. Yeah, I mean... I don't even think it's underrated because the problem is I don't think people rate this team because <laughs> they don't know anything about them. Yeah, that's fair. the thing. It's like it's it's impossible for a team that nobody talks about or nobody watches to be underrated or overrated. Like recently, like recently, I saw uh, uh, the NBA Central post our rotation and our lineups and say, "Is this a playoff team?" And people were like, "Oh, uh, 11 seed, 12 seed at best." Uh, you know, it's the Pacers. Nobody wants to hear that. And it's just, like, it's it's funny to me, but it's also, like, it gets annoying after a while because it's, like, how are you a fan of basketball? How are you a fan of the NBA and you don't, like, watch you, – you're not aware of what this team is doing? Like, if, if you're not a fan of the Pacers, you at least know Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. You at least know Miles Turner from his name being in trade rumors, and I'll get to that in a second. You at least know these pe these players. And when you see this roster, you're like, oh, Tyrese Halliburton, all-star, all-NBA caliber. You see Miles Turner, oh, defensive player of the year candidate, uh, all always in the top leading block getters. You see Benedict Matherin, oh, he said that thing about LeBron, you know, and then he outplayed him in that game. You know, you see these guys and you're like, oh, this is a pretty good team. But people would rather be like, you know, we don't know these, we don't know these guys. They won't make the playoffs. Like, I'd rather have people say, we don't know them enough to make an opinion on them rather than just lie and just spew out takes that don't make any sense at all. I think that's a fair point because it doesn't hurt to only be on national television once a year and a couple of NBA TV games here and there. But what you mentioned is what the common NBA player is going to say. Oh, uh, Halliburton, he's good. And then other than that, it's going to be this, you know, you think of Matherin. Yeah, that comment about LeBron. When there's a completely, there, there's a, an awesome player just behind that comment. So I do think that, we're, we are creating some noise, which is great, but you want the casual NBA fan to be more aware of what the Pacers are doing. And that's why I personally love Zach Lowe giving us a shout out recently, having us as the 12th ranked NBA league pass team. Because oh, a couple yeah. years ago, we were 29th or 30th. So that is a big leap to say this is not just a really entertaining team, but it's also a really promising team, an up-and-coming team, whatever you want to call it. The Pacers are not just going to be fun. They're going to have more wins this year to be able They're to gonna back be good. up. They're going to be good. I, I definitely think they could be. I mean, last year exceeded expectations by 12 wins. That is, I think it was one of the highest, uh, you know, above expectations jump of any team in the league. Well, this year, the expectations now that we have for ourselves, players, fans, everything, is playoffs. So we're not just trying to be some fun team. We want to win games. I will say this. I will say this. You said exceeded expectation by 12 wins. It could have been by more. But, yes, it could have been by more. Mm -hmm. 
If if those injuries didn't get us, which I hate, I've been a Pacers fan since 2012-ish, and every almost every single year that we've been in playoff contention, the injuries come. You remember, if it's not injuries, it's a player just underperforming. Like, you remember Roy Hibbert in 2014. Shout out, Roy. Uh, 2014 offseason, the Paul George injury. And then a few years of mediocrity. And then what happened to Victor Oladipo? You know, all of that. The injuries come and they go. And TJ Warren. Because I remember when we got this off topic, but when we got Karis LeVert, the idea was let's get TJ Warren back and let's see how these two play together. They never played together. They never True. did. No, Warren missed so much time and then he ended up getting traded to Brooklyn. And I think now he's, I think he's like out of the league, isn't he? Yeah, he's a free agent right now. It's yeah. very that's, sad because when he left, he was on top of his game. That, and, you know, yeah. here we are. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a shame. I really wish he could be more than just, you know, like a punchline as to how the NBA bubble was. It's a really shame because that's an amazing player. But I, I, will, I will say this. This year, I think we have the biggest juxtaposition of expectations between casual fans and actual, like, and diehard fans. Because you look at the casual fan, I've seen people that have the Hornets ranked ahead of us. Somehow. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Somehow. And then you ask them why. Their answer is legitimately nobody watches the Pacers. What? Come on. What yeah. does one have to do? What does one have to do with the other? It and then you ask. In wins or losses by yeah, that statement, no, you know. No. You, you ask. And then you ask, like, a big basketball head, a big diehard NBA fan. Like, if I was not a Pacers fan, I would still say I have them around anywhere from 9 to 5, depending on how good they are, how how many injuries they have, and how good the rest of the East is. Anywhere from 9 to 5. I think their ceiling is 50 wins. That's how ambitious I am with this team. But you, you talk to the casual fan, and it's like you're in a completely different world, you know? It's oh, no. very well, weird. Of course. I'm curious. How do you think we can change this narrative, though? Because it's like it's this way with a lot of teams. Like you, people aren't watching the Charlotte Hornets. People aren't watching the Orlando Magic. Like we're passionate because we're Indiana Pacer fans. When we watch this team daily. But I don't really hear anything about the Orlando Magic unless for some reason it's brought up on a national podcast how good Franz Wagner is for five seconds. And then that's it. So like in terms of like smaller market teams that don't get the national love because they're probably not title contenders. How do we go about getting more recognition nationally i hate saying this but it's gonna have to be the highlights it's gonna have to be the highlights we have to rely on you know tyrese halliburton throwing a flashy pass we have to rely on obi top and throwing down a huge dunk we have to rely on uh you know some ankles getting broken to be on there because you saw recently during the Cavs game obi had that between the legs dunk and we were everywhere on media that night yeah everywhere Bleacher Report, ESPN, everywhere. And I even tweeted, I said the Indiana Pacers are all are being forced on everybody's timeline, and I love it. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like that's how we're going to get that attention because with small market teams, we don't have the luxury of being on NBA TV, uh, not NBA TV, of being on national TV 30 times a season. Right. Like, and I'm glad, Fachi, I'm glad you said we only have one national TV game because I don't count NBA TV yeah. as national Either TV. Do I. Either do you got to pay, yeah, you got to pay extra to watch that. <laughs> no, so, it's true. Mm. What I felt is, and sorry to cut you off over here, is like when you're talking about what could we do to change that, I felt like a player like Tyrese Halliburton was that first major step because this is a star. And it feels that he has what it takes to be able to catch the attention of, you know, the NBA masses, whether it is, you know, people on, uh, you know, national podcasts or ESPN or whatever it is. They're, they're showing that this is a very special player who, in my opinion, I think is going to be the first guy that's going to be able to attract other talent 
to Indiana. I know yeah. so far it started with a Bruce Brown saying that, hey, Tyrese w- was a, a big factor in that. Obi Toppin, you know, things like that. But then next we're waiting for that first all-star to say, I want to play with Tyrese. And I don't think that we're far away from that happening. No, no, we're not. That's our biggest, That that's the biggest thing because we're in Indiana, small market. Free agents don't want to come here. Like what's been our most, what's been our biggest acquisition besides Bruce? David West? Was it David, David West? West? For sure. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. David and West. I was at this and point he, 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. And if you look at West at that time, he was near the decline of his career. And okay. a couple years, he'd go to San Antonio and be a bench guy there. So David West, sure, great. But that if that's your big, if that's your biggest free agent acquisition possibly ever, that's not a good look. That's not a good look. And, and it didn't hurt that uh, Tyreek Evans, you know, flamed out because at the time that was supposed to be a big signing. Then obviously the sign and trade for for Malcolm Brogdon had that potential, but in the grand scheme of things, when when you're mentioning guys like Malcolm Brogdon or Tyreek Evans, no offense to them, neither have been an All Star. So I, I completely understand what you're saying, and we do yeah. want to change that narrative. Bruce Brown was a a, a big ish signing, but we we do still know it's not a guy expected to be an all star. Yeah. It was a guy that was expected to have a lot of interest, and the Pacers did have to pay up in order to get him. But it was still uh, it still created some buzz and was a step in the right direction. Yeah. So I'm hoping we can build off that. Yeah. See, I imagine the Bruce Brown signing is like a a step up from Tory Craig a few years yeah. ago. Remember oh, yeah. that? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So we got so the Tory Craig signing, and I have the Bruce Brown signing a bit over that. It's like. It's a good player. It's a good player. Like the Nuggets probably wouldn't have won the title without him because he was pretty, pretty key to their, pretty key to their team. But he's not going to turn any heads towards Indiana. You know, he's yeah. not going to do that. Yeah, I think the only thing that's going to really turn heads is winning. If that's how we really want to look at things here, because there's no reason why David West would come here if this team did not have a chance to be somewhat of a playoff contender. Now. Let's look at the Cleveland Cavaliers over the last couple of years because they were a team that was constantly in the lottery. They had back-to-back lottery picks with or like three in a row, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, and then Evan Mobley. And then they start making some noise and, and getting into the into the the market in terms of like the playoff market of being like a playoff team. I'm saying this the wrong way, but you get what I'm saying. They're, they become a yeah. playoff team by getting better, and they get better players on the team. Then they go out and make that Donovan Mitchell trade, right? They go out there and and get Jared Allen as a part of the James Harden trade, and they really start to solidify that team. And now I feel like they've gotten a lot more attention than they Mm -hmm. had previously, and that's because, one, they put themselves on a spot to be a top-four team in the Eastern Conference, and they went out and got a big name. So do you think the Pacers – to me, I think the Pacers are going to have to start winning before they start getting national respect because winning is what cures all in the league. And if you're a team that's in the lottery for three straight years in a row, why should teams be watching you and looking at yeah. you? You know, that's that's to me is like my only pushback on this whole conversation. Because like, yeah, I get it. Even when we have been good, we haven't gotten the love. But with this team, I feel like they've probably been talked about more th- by local people or national people, I should say, because of the style they're playing with Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think the Cleveland Cavaliers are the exact thing that we should be trying to replicate. Like uh, Garland... Um, Mobley, Allen. I feel like we should be trying to do that. And I think eventually if we keep growing like this, we can get to a level where we get a Donovan Mitchell type guy in free agency because Mm -hmm. that's what Tyrese Halliburton does. His style of play and his, you know, help, you know, his leadership in the locker room and off the court, that is what what stars want to see when they think of going to a new team. And, of course, since we are the Indiana Pacers, we are a smaller market, 
we're going to have to pay up more. You know, it's, uh, you know, overpay for, uh, you know, uh, probably uh, not superstars, I'll say. Yeah. Overpay for players that perhaps aren't as good as the contract they're getting is. You know, I saw a lot of people saying the Bruce Brown signing was an overpay. I, I mean, I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, what can you do? You know, mm-hmm. players don't want, as, as much as it, it hates to say, players don't want to come to Indiana. They don't. And it, it is what it is, you know. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta give them an incentive to come to Indiana before, uh, you know, before it was. Oh, we can pay you more than any other team. Now it's gonna be. You got Tyrese Halliburton. You got Benedict Matherin. Miles Turner is back. You got Obi Toppin. Our bench is one of the best in the league. Come on down, you know. Oh, mm-hmm. ab- absolutely. And, and when you think about the, the the Cavs, that comparison over there, I think yeah, they are something to shoot for because they did have to pay up to get Donovan Mitchell. The trade that mm-hmm. they made with Utah, you know, they sent over Lori Marketing some picks. And you know what? Marketing, good player. But obviously, Donovan Mitchell is a superstar-esque player. And I think that the Cavs now have a team that can look to contend. And I think for the Pacers, yeah, that Bruce Brown signing. On paper, it did look like a lot. But they kept that optionality with that team option after year one to be able to keep that flexibility. They do own an additional first-round pick. They do have the cap room moving forward. So now they can pull off one of those bigger trades when that player comes available. And I think that that's the big thing because you said players don't want to come to Indiana. In the past, yeah, they haven't. But look at Milwaukee now. Milwaukee has become a destination. It was not like that until they had Giannis. And when they got Giannis there, they were able to facilitate a bigger trade for Drew Holiday. Then eventually they were able to flip Drew Holiday and a few other picks for Dame. Now all of a sudden guys will take a discount to go to Milwaukee because they want to contend. The Pacers are not at that point yet, but it takes that one player to get to that landing spot to be able to change everything. And Tyrese was that player for us. Mm -hmm. So this year, yeah, we didn't dive all in because we weren't ready to do it. But if the Pacers Mm -hmm. are to make the playoffs this year, They've set themselves up to be able to push those chips further in, go after someone bigger, and they could also attract a player like perhaps an OG in free agency who might say, you know what, Uh I'm looking at teams who could give me a, you know, top money, but also who can I make the playoffs with? And that's when you could tip the scale. So I love where we're at, even though it isn't the whole, hey, Pacers are contending for a conference finals this year. It's we have expectations, but we know we're setting ourselves up to be serious players in about a year or so. Yeah, that's what that's what I love about this current team this year. We have expectations. Yes, exactly. Go, go, going into 2020, the 2019-20 season where we had that big offseason, I was like, okay, this is this is a real deal team. If Oladipo comes back healthy, we can make the conference finals. That didn't end up happening. We ended up getting swept. Going into 2021, I was like, okay, let's at least be competent. You know? And we were to start the season. We were pretty damn good. And then we fell off. We fell off a cliff near the end of the season, lost in the play-in, didn't make the playoffs. Going into 2022, I was like, I have zero expectations. That was the first year as a Pacers fan that I didn't have expectations going into 2022. Because that was the year we drafted Duarte. We still had Sabonis. I was like, what is this team doing? You know, all due respect to Sabonis. I love the guy. I'm glad he's doing great in Sacramento. But I was like, why is he still on this team? You know, I I feel like we got to make that bigger move. And when the trade deadline came, and I was like, oh, we're trying to get De'Aaron? And then an hour later, I turn my phone off, turn it, uh, turn it back on. I remember I'm in, I'm in, uh, I'm in, what's it called? I'm in engineering class. I see the Tyrese Halliburton notification, and I like start screaming at the top of my lungs. And everybody's like, "What's wrong with this kid?" You know, 
And then, were, were those good screams or bad screams? Oh, of course they were good screams. Of course they were good screams. Of course they were good good uh, screams. Because I used to always talk about the Pacers in class, and everybody and everybody was like, "Man, I hope this man like it. If it, it, it sounds rough, and then that happened, and then everybody was like, "Damn, I'm happy for you, man. I'm happy for you." Because I yeah, because I live in because I live in Atlanta. There are no Pacers fans here. But you know, at that moment, I felt like everybody was with me. You know, yeah, they could and feel then, the pain. Yeah, and then coming into the next season, 2020, 2023, I believe, I was like, "Oh wow, Jalen Smith is better than I thought." Oh wow, Tyrese Halliburton is amazing as the first option, and now we got Benedict Matherin. I love the guy coming out of Arizona. I was like, "Okay, we're probably going to be a lottery team," but I'm really excited to watch this team. And then we won like what's nineteen of our first. Like it was like nineteen of our first like thirty games, right? What was it? Something I mean, like we that. We were right? the sixth spot before Tyrese yeah. went down. The sixth spot before Tyrese went down. I was like, all right, okay, that's fine. Let's just let's just tank the rest of the season. Let's get a guy. We got Jarris Walker, and now I'm like, all right, I want us to make the playoffs. I really want us to make the playoffs because I want not only do I want that for Indiana and the Pacers, I want that for the NBA because it's good to have these smaller markets in these positions. Like enough of the Lakers. Uh, the the Heat, all these teams, the Knicks, you know, let's let's show some love to the smaller markets because Indiana is a basketball state. Yeah, it is a basketball state. I mean, don't they say we grow basketball here? Yeah, in forty nine states, it's just basketball, but this is Indiana. This is Indiana, exactly. We need this for the culture, and we need this for the betterment of the NBA. Yeah, for the culture is a a football podcast, so we don't want to get confused there. But I get what you're (laughs) saying. No, I understand what you're saying, though. I think it's exciting, though, because you're preaching to the choir. I think a lot of Pacer fans listening probably feel the exact the exact same way you do. It's like you turn on a podcast, it's talking about the Pacers nationally, and they just aren't getting the attention that they, you know, fans think they deserve. And at this point, I've talked about it a little bit already, but, you know, winning is going to help that. But I, I do think that getting the talent in here to make a playoff run is going to help as well. So uh, speaking of talent we got, Benedict Mathern entering year two, Halliburton entering year four, um, last year of that rookie deal, you got Ob Toppin coming from New York. You you bring in Bruce Brown, draft Jarris Walker, Miles Turner resigns last year. Buddy Hill's on an expiring contract, but he looked really good last year. Aaron Neesman taking that next step. So, with all the additions they've made over the last couple of years, what have you liked the most from this Pacers team? Oh, uh, let me tell you, um, Aaron Neesmith this preseason has exceeded all of my expectations. Definitely, yeah. like. When we got him in the Brogdon trade, a lot of people, a lot of Celtics fans were like, oh, we fleeced them. Oh, man. Oh, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. Y'all are going to hate Neesmith. People were telling me, oh, Daniel Tice is the best piece of this trade. And, like, all due respect to Daniel Tice, but I didn't believe that for one second. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I watched Neesmith in college, and I watched him with the Celtics. It's a drastic difference because the guy, I believe, hurt his foot, right? He had a foot injury, and he didn't look the same. When he went, when he came to Indiana, I was like, "Oh wow! Well, this is a completely different player. This is this is college Aaron Neesmith. This is Vanderbilt Aaron Neesmith. I think that's where he went to college. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah Vanderbilt. I was like, oh, this guy's hitting threes. He's getting to the rim. He's dunking on people. He had that dunk on Jared Allen that one time. Oh yeah. Um, he's playing amazing defense. This is the Aaron Neesmith that Boston wanted when they drafted him, and now we got him. Mm-hmm. And if you look at what happened with Brogdon." Where I mean, they, obviously they did get Drew Holiday out of it, but in hindsight, I like the trade even more. I really do, because we freed up the point guard spot for uh, uh, Halliburton, and we got Nismith, who's going to be a fantastic bench player this year. Another guy that I really like, 
is uh, Jalen, Jalen Smith. Because last year, we weren't ex- I wasn't expecting him to sign that uh, re-sign. Because remember, we could only offer him this much money. Yeah, we can only offer him this much money because he was restricted and the Suns traded him. But it ended up, it ended up, we ended up signing him. He was like, I like the team here. I like the culture here. And he played, he played pretty disappointingly, I'm going to be honest. 2022, 2023, he wasn't as good as he should have been, especially shooting the basketball. He was, he was like one of the worst three-point shooters in the league, I believe. Um, but yeah, yeah. This year, though, he put on strength. He put on muscle. He looks amazing. He looks great. Like he's not getting, uh, he's not getting thrown around in the paint anymore. He's not letting himself get, you know, tossed and turned. You know, he's he's getting those shots up that he couldn't earlier. He's playing with such confidence, and like this is like the Aaron Neesmith that we first traded for in the second half of the season, where he was getting double double after double double. This is what this is what we got on our hands right now, and I think he's got that starting that uh, backup center spot locked up. It's his to lose. And I don't know what that means for Isaiah Jackson, but I, I but I think maybe it might be time to move on from him because I do love Isaiah Jackson, but it's, it's tough with this rotation we have. No, it really is. And for Jalen Smith, I think that he's, you know, you mentioned he put on the size. That was awesome. I, I think he's looking for a redemption year from last year where guy went from being the starting power forward to falling out of the rotation overall at one point. That was tough, but He's looked really good this preseason. He's been one of the guys that has given me confidence to say he's taken his game to the next level. And Isaiah Jackson, it it has been a bit tough. We hope to see probably a little bit more in in summer league, you know, maybe expanding his game a bit. And then in preseason, we haven't seen it as much. Daniel Tice, I think at this point, you know, on an expiring deal, didn't play too much in the preseason. I I think that for Jalen Smith, you feel confident that he can be the backup big that you're kind of hoping for in a more maybe reduced role, not the role that when, when you re-signed him that you hope that he would play, but it's a role that I think that he can excel in. And then yeah. you mentioned for Aaron Eastman to touch on that. I think the Pacers' depth this year, it looks as strong as it's maybe been in years. They have – and they, they use competition over and over and over again this offseason. But they have legitimately 12 guys that ha- feel they have a right – to be in that nightly rotation. And you know you're probably not going to go 12 deep, but it's a good problem to have at this point. And you could revisit it, come the deadline, whatever you want to do. But this Pacers team is locked and loaded yeah. at just about every position when last year you could not say that. Yeah, I mean, I saw um when uh the when the when the Suns got Nurkic, no, the Suns got Nurkic in the trade away Aiton for all those guys from the Blazers. I saw some people saying, oh, they got a lot of depth. I got a lot of depth. And then I saw some other guys say, uh, having a bunch of players does not mean you have depth, which I couldn't agree with more. Having just stock, just loading your roster up with players does not mean that you have depth. Having good players, guys, you can go 10, 12 deep, say two, three guys get injured. They, they got guys off the bench ready to come in. And let me talk about Shepard for a second, because Shepard, I thought he wasn't, I thought coming into the season, I thought he wasn't going to be in the rotation because we know how Rick Carlisle is with rookies. He's not that keen on playing them right out the gate. And Shepard was what, the 26th pick of the draft? Uh It was understandable if Carlisle didn't play him, but he has to have a rotation spot. He has to. He's too good, too good, too fast to not have a rotation spot. The guy is, I thought, I thought Pacers fans were being a bit hard on him when we drafted him. They were. Yeah, they were because he's been amazing. He's been Especially great. Especially Fachi. Were you? I, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was it was everybody. <laughs> this is, you can't just pin this on me. Oh, it's the Fachi curse. 
Now, Fachi uh, Curse? What do you mean? Nothing bad happened to him. Uh, it was, it's a good pick. There was picks that had maybe a higher ceiling that were far less proven. So and uh, in summer league, you know, it was, it was a mixed bag. In preseason, he has been awesome. Yeah. I mean, really, what we've seen from him, I think, is he's made his case to be in that rotation. And just like you said before, that is not what any Pacer fan no. expected a couple of months ago. So great problem to have. And I think that it just shows that this Pacers team, they're really not lacking at any position. And and the shooting, it's going to be there, whether it's Buddy Heal, whether it's Tyrese, whether it's Shepard, whether it's Miles Turner, you have three-point shooters on this team. Well, let me just jump in real quick with Ben Shepard because I was just teasing Fauci. Look, the whole thing was, obviously, taking Shepard at a position we were already loaded at didn't make a lot of sense to Pacer fans because we had a lot of wings. We had a lot of guys that could play the two and the three. We're looking... We need more fours. Yeah, we didn't have Obi Toppin at the time. The only forward we had on the roster at this point was Jairus Walker, and you had a guy like Leonard Miller there that a lot of us were high on, who looks pretty good and got drafted decently high by Minnesota in the second round. I think they moved up to get him at, like, pick 33. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of why, and Gigi Jackson was on the board too, which was also a darling for the draft uh, favorites uh, for the Pacers here. So, I mean, that has to be put in context. It's the same thing with Andrew Nimhard last year. We were kind of surprised when they took another point guard already having Tyrese and TJ McConnell in the fold. Why go out there and spend the 31st pick on a point guard when you probably get a third string point guard for cheap and free agency. But if you look at Nimhard and how he played and kind of just exceeded expectations, you know, maybe you shouldn't write the young draft picks off and worry too much about fit. And that's the hard part is worrying about fit when you're drafting players. So, uh, that's, I think that's where a lot of people were just at with their head. Like the same thing with Isaiah Jackson, when he was drafted, it's like, why are we getting another center? We already have a miles Domas problem in the first place. Gogo was just picked a couple of years ago. What are we doing? And it's like, okay, now we're kind of in that same boat still because we have too many centers, even after trading Gogo or letting him go and then trading miles or trading Domas, excuse me. So now we're just in this boat where it's just like constantly overlapping at positions and trying to find playing time. It's tough, but Mo, we do have to let you go here in a minute, but I want you to go ahead and give me your predictions for the season and tell me why Pacer fans should jump on the bandwagon now before it's too late. I'll tell you my predictions right now. I think I don't think we get to 50 games because I think we're going to study struggle with injuries and whatnot. I think we're going to finish anywhere from 44 to 46 games, 44 to 48 depending on how good the rest of the NBA is and how good we are, how good Toppin is, because I think he could be an MIP candidate. I really do think so. Very well could be. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think we skip out on the play-in altogether. I think the sixth seed is incoming. Hopefully, I'm very optimistic that nobody gets seriously injured. I think Matherin takes that all-star level leap. I think Miles averages, again, puts him puts – him, puts himself further in top five, top seven centers in the league co- uh, conversation. I think Halliburton makes that all-NBA jump that we've been waiting for. I think Jarris is going to uh, be a fantastic rookie. I think he takes the starting spot at the end of, by the end of the season. I think he's the starting four at the end of the season. That doesn't sound and, good for Obi Toppin's most improved player. Case, yeah, though. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, you know, it kind of feels yeah, contradictory. Yeah, yeah, it does. But you, you know what? It, it's whatever. Maybe Jarris can win sixth man of the year. <laughs> I like it. I mean, Ben was right in that conversation for a hot minute, he right? He was. He was. And I, another thing, another thing, I think Andrew Nemhard is going to be the best backup point guard in the league. I f- fully believe that. He could very well make that case. I mean, he could very, very well make a case to be a starter 
We'll see what happens with Bruce Brown and how things go in the season. But like I said before, it's a great problem to have. You have guys that could step up. I mean, a guy we didn't even talk about before, it's like, we don't even know where T.J. McConnell is going to fit in the rotation, yet he played really well in preseason and yeah. is always ready when called upon. So the Pacers have a, a great problem, if that's what you want to call it, on their hands, which makes all Pacer fans very excited. But, Mo, tell everybody where they could find you on social media and some of the awesome work that you're putting out. Yeah, um, you guys can find me on Twitter at K-A-M-I-T-R-O-N-P-T-W, and you can find me on Fansided. Um, my articles I've written about, I released one earlier today. I released one yesterday. I'm going to release one tomorrow and the day after. Um, you can find me on, um, that's basically where you can find me on Twitter. I'm very active on there and on fan sided where you can read my articles, but that's about it. Thank you all so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here and hopefully we can uh, meet up again sometime. Absolutely. We appreciate the support through all these years. It means a lot to us and we were happy to have you on. Yes, sir. Take care, y'all. And, and Mo, I, before we let you go, I, I know yes, you've been to this podcast before, so we always ended by saying these three words. So I got to set you up, man. If you're excited to see the Pacers back in action for the start of the regular season against the Wizards, then hit me with those three words. Uh, let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Oh, mm-hmm.